everybody. A rare treat this week, a double dip, episode 78. We did episode 77, really focusing on college football. Talked a little bit about the Aaron Judge home run and what that means for baseball. Wanted to get to some NFL, but ran out of time. We may drop that in this week or on this episode, this this rare two-episode, one-week format that we have. Darren and Andrew with you this time. And since we have Andrew, that means NBA preseason has started. So we're going to go deep into the NBA preseason preview let Andrew give you his thoughts on basically every team we're not going to go hard on every team but uh kind of look division by division I know we don't really talk about divisions with the NBA but to give us some manner of organization and structure start with the east go division by division look at our playoff teams then go out west and Andrew's going to tell you who's going to win the NBA championship this year I'm going to try at the very least. And uh, did you say preseason preview? So we're only breaking down the preseason, right? Yeah, we're going to go that hard on that, the, uh, the 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 nine the nine ten eleven guys from the roster who are you know, who's looked yeah. good so far. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Exactly. That's what the fans want. I think that that Pacers Hawks preseason matchup. Oh, everybody is glued to their TVs for that one. <laughs> well, we'll start here with the East and. I'd say the the division with the teams that are going to get the most publicity is the Atlantic division. Uh, Again, doing this just to have some structure here. But the five teams to start with here, you've got the Celtics, the Nets, the Knicks, the Sixers, and Raptors. And really, the Raptors are the only one of these quiet teams. The Celtics, we know what's going on there. If you're new to our show, we really don't talk about hot-button issues. We don't talk about serious stuff. This is meant to be the fun, light side of sports. But the Celtics... We know that will the change of coaching impact them, the Nets and the Nets and Sixers are just mired in soap opera based on who they have. The Knicks are the Knicks. And then you have the quiet Canadian Raptors. So what say you when we look at our first five teams here out East? Yeah, our, with the tumultuous offseason in Boston, we'll call it. I think that's being generous um, to call it tumultuous. I like Philly and what Philly's done. They added PJ Tucker. They added DeAnthony Melton. I think this is Philly's division this year. I'm going to just lead off the show with that bomb. I know everybody's picking the Celtics and, and they're going to say, well, what about Tatum and Brown? Well, Tatum and Brown will be exceptional, but also Jalen Brown mentally. We heard about all the Kevin Durant rumors. And it probably doesn't feel good to know that you were the one floated around in those trade rumors, even though Boston didn't pull off a trade for Kevin Durant that involved Jalen Brown. There's some uh, bad culture things going on in Boston. And you talked about the coaching change. Well, Danny Ainge stole the guy who would have been the obvious replacement for Ime Udoka. And I think, a lot of people think that coaching doesn't matter in the NBA, but it does. Um, and now Boston is really forced to maybe their third option for a head coach on the fly. And I'm not sure. You remember what the Celtics looked like before they kind of had that players only heart to heart meeting last season. And Yudoka was a big part of turning that around. Now he's not there for this season. How are they going to get on the right track? And I think this is not so much a vote of confidence in the 76ers on my part, but more of a lack of confidence in Boston and everything that's going on with them this offseason. 
And I I must be in the minority here. I don't get the excitement around the Sixers. Yes, we know Embiid's going to be great, but I still don't understand the argument that other people are also making that this is a truly contending team. Not to spoil too much of the show, but I think the Bucks are far and away better. I think I don't know that this team is better than the Heat. When I look at this division on the court, I think the Celtics have the best product because you really run back most of those guys: Horford, Tatum, Brown, Smart. Uh, you got Malcolm Brogdon there. You have the Williamses. You add in some veterans like uh, Blake Griffin and Danilo Gallinari for whatever they have left in the tank. But really, that starting five, uh, if you had Derek White in there, I I love what the Celtics have on the court. But like you say, it's that off-court issue and what's the coaching going to look like and how much does that matter? The so I just I don't know that the Sixers have the depth. I think they have a lot of good role players, Niang and Tybal and uh, Harrell there. But I just. Any times James Harden is around a team, I don't know that I can trust them as a postseason contender. That that's the real question, right? And I don't have a lot of confidence in James Harden. In fact, my confidence in James Harden is very low. I think what this is is you, they've added a couple of nice rotation guys with PJ Tucker and DeAnthony Melton. I look at things from the lens of can guys play in a playoff series, and the answer is. Yes, and that the Sixers added two to the guys that they already have without giving up a whole lot to do it. And also, P.J. Tucker kind of brings that toughness, that edge that they haven't really had in Philly since Jimmy Butler was there. This is the best top-to-bottom team that the Sixers have had in the Joel Embiid era. And that's why I'm, I'm going with the Sixers. But you mentioned Gallinari for the Celtics. He's actually out. I believe he tore his ACL. And then also Robert Williams has some injury stuff going on to where he may not be back until Christmas or January, um, New Year, six to eight weeks. They had to redo his knee surgery. So, again, just part of a bad offseason for the Celtics. That's um, why I'm kind of down on them. The Sixers, James Harden, and I'm sure – NBA Twitter people like you know what is it actually called his like bowl of soup hand gesture? I didn't realize I had a name. I mean, what because um, I, 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 I'm I'm constantly the old man yelling at clouds. What is like what is like the young hip trendy thing where it's like feed me more bowl of soup? I mean, I think it's really just a feed me celebration, right? Didn't Zeke popularize that and okay. James Harden stole it? You okay? You just led into my point because I had somebody else bring this up to me in a conversation. Like, can we get some new hand gestures? Does everybody like? Basically, is it played out? Because there are certain things I associate. Like, I know Cam Newton didn't invent dabbing, but I think of him with it. Um, and I think of James Harden with that bowl of soup hand gesture. And that was I was going to ask you: Is that his thing? I didn't realize that he took it from Zeke. Yeah, it wasn't kind of Zeke the one who kind of started doing the feed me gesture and. I feel like Harden I don't remember kind of kind of got it at the at the um the same time. Yeah, I, I really think it's it kind of ran Zeke first and then Harden maybe a little bit later. But you're right; it is interesting that we associate certain hand gestures with uh, certain guys. Like, uh, you know, Michael Jordan had the fist pump, and you know, LeBron's got his little pregame deal, and. Uh, Steph Curry did the good night celebration during the playoffs last year. The, you know, laying his head on the pillow thing. And now everybody does that. Everybody tries to copy, copy Steph. Very interesting. 
And that's, I mean, that may be a whole podcast on its own right there. And that's what kind of got me thinking about it. Like, are there other ones that we, that we need to think about? Cause like Dame has the Dame time. LeBron has that throwing the powder in the air thing. It's like, what other signature, are there other signature hand gestures that guys have specifically in the NBA? I will have to get back to you okay. on that. I'm sure we are, we it's are homework. getting the complete list of, uh, modern NBA hand gestures. And I feel like that could be a whole episode in and of itself. We'll get, we'll get back to that one here as the NBA season goes along, but uh, to kind of talk about this division, we have not talked about the big apple yet. The Knicks, you've got Julius Randall there. I don't know if this team was a one-year wonder. We'll see what Jalen Brunson means for them, but then you have the Nets. I feel like they're just too talented to not be terrible, but still Durant Simmons, Kyrie got Joe Harris there. I just don't know that they have any depth to be on that. Your next best player is who? Patty Mills or Seth Curry as a as a, five, a sixth or seventh option? Y- yes, they have the top end talents of well, basically Kevin Durant because he's the only one of those three I really buy. But they're still big name players. Nets or Knicks do anything for you? Not really. And again, I have a hard time. I know we don't like to dive too much into the series stuff. I'm kind of going to, against our point of keeping it on the fun, lighthearted side, but the Nets offseason stuff is just, it's just really strange. And it's a strange way to enter the season for the Nets where you feel like no one really wants to be there and everybody's there still anyways. And like you said, Kevin Durant, a lot of talent, but he tried everything to force his way out, it seems. And then, relented and uh, that's uh, not really the kind of the culture that you want ha- to have set up going into a season so I think there's just some bad culture stuff going on with the Nets and the Celtics currently that makes me think that Philly is going to be the one to come out of this I want to get to the Raptors here in a second but a question for you which one of these players is most likely to get traded during this season Kevin Durant Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brown, or James Harden? The most likely is probably Kyrie Irving. I I say that because the man is just a complete wild card. I think Kevin Durant has come to some sort of an agreement where He'll, he'll wait for free agency. Kyrie might try and force his way out by the deadline, or I could see a team like the Lakers finally getting desperate enough to say, okay, we'll give in. We'll give up Westbrook and, and a couple of firsts for a package centered around Kyrie Irving. We'll do it. We'll bite. Um, we'll pair Kyrie and LeBron back up because we're, we're done with this Westbrook thing. And that's why I could see Kyrie being the one to likely get traded. Now, he's he's the wild card of all the wild cards that you mentioned there because I guess Kevin Durant and James Harden are both wild cards in their own right. But I think Kyrie is kind of the, the one that's the most unstable. And also, he could just disappear on the team for like two weeks, which he's done in the past, and surprisingly he's, show back up and then get traded. He is his own deck of cards, let alone a wild card. That is a, a great way of putting it. He is his own full deck of cards. Yes, exactly. And for the complete opposite side of that, the Toronto Raptors, who to me feel a little bit like the Eastern Conference Memphis Grizzlies, 
They seem very young. Your your two best guys, Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam, are both 28 years old. So they're kind of in their peak right now. And I'm going to bundle a whole bunch of questions into one, just kind of all things Raptors. You look at this roster, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, kind of the established stars there. Scotty Barnes is the young guy. You've got OG Ananobi, who's been around for a while. You add, I'm curious to see what Ron Harper Jr. can do as a rookie. I don't think he's an immediate star, but somebody you can bring along. Same with Christian Coloco. You add Otto Porter for whatever he has left. Gary Trent's a good role player guard for you. I think the Raptors are a mid-level playoff team. Do you see the same for them? And I think I asked you this the last year, the last couple of years. Have we seen the best of Pascal Siakam? Can he be the guy to lead this team to a potential Eastern Conference contention? Or... Is this Scotty Barnes' team? Is Scotty Barnes the true ace of this team? That is the question. You you nailed it right on the head. And actually what I was going to say is the ceiling of this team depends upon the development of Scotty Barnes. And so I do think that we've seen the best of, of Siakam, and it's good. He plays at a very high level. I do think this is a playoff-caliber team, a playoff-caliber roster. When healthy, are they a contender? No, not at this juncture, but that will depend upon Scotty Barnes. So, yeah, he is the ace in the hole for the Toronto Raptors. And if they are going to become a contender, it's because Scotty Barnes has kind of taken like this Anthony Edwards type leap in his career and kind of become the guy. It's I kind of equate it to that kind of a situation on an Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns situation on a, a smaller scale. Hmm. And I, I don't know that the East is winnable for the Raptors this year, but I definitely see them as a kind of in that four five, six race. And a lot of that could depend on their own division. I still think there's four potential playoff teams here with the, the Nets, Celtics, Sixers and Raptors. But while the other three seem like they could have plenty of icebergs to dodge, it feels like a steady ship for the Raptors. That is uh that is true. They are the most steady team, but I don't think that their ceiling is as high as maybe like a Philly or a Boston if they're somehow able to get right. Anything else on the Northeast before we head to the Southeast? Let's let's head to the Southeast. And what I would argue, uh, maybe two playoff teams out of here. I think if you're going to really dive into watching these teams, hopefully you enjoy watching the Hawks. So I think the Hawks are very exciting. We know what they have with Trey Young there. Uh, adding Deontay Murray to that, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, Clint Capella, Bogdan. They've got a nice little uh, core that they've built there and kept these guys together. I thought there was a lot of talk this offseason that John Collins would be gone, but they've kept the core together there, and I think they're, you know, the coaching there has proven to be mercurial, but we'll see what the Hawks can do. To me, it feels like the Hawks and the Heat down here, just old, steady, reliable Heat with Jimmy Butler and Bam and add Kyle Lowry to that. Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, if they both get back on their game, they're going to be in there. And then the Magic, the Wizards, and the Hornets. Last year, you were big on the Hornets. I was not. I think you need more than LaMelo Ball. And I think I think that's probably the most shallow roster. The LaMelo and Gordon Hayward may be top-end talent, but I don't see a whole lot for those other three outside the Hawks and the Heat. But we know you're a big Hornets fan. I, I was last year. I'm, I'm completely out on the Hornets this year. Um, again, tumultuous offseason, to say the least. Bad offseason. I'm out. I think Lamelo's a star, but they're they're starting a rebuild yet again with Lamelo at the center of it. And uh, 
they're going to have to reload and fast. So I think this is uh, kind of a uh, Miami's division with uh, Jimmy and Bam and, and Tyler Hero. Like you mentioned, Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson. There's a guy who I think ends up getting traded because he mm-hmm. is just a massive contract. He's going to get a little um, looped into some deal just because of his contract alone. And he didn't really provide a lot of value to Miami in the playoffs. And I don't see Miami being a contender like they were last year. And I do think some of that is the loss of PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker doesn't do a lot in in terms of scoring points, but the toughness and all the stuff that he can bring defensively and, and maybe be dirty and a little bit gritty. And you kind of need that in a playoff series and, he had that with Jimmy Butler. He's able to do some of those things, but they they needed PJ Tucker. He was actually key to the run that Miami made last year. The uh, the Washington Wizards. I get that Bradley Beal's making a billion dollars, but man, I just, it feels like they just never are going to blossom. They've gone out and gotten guys like Will Barton and Monte Morris to so nice little backcourt with role players to put around him. But the rest of their guys, Kuzma is what he is. You've got Porzingis back in DC. It's just all these young guys, Rui Hachimura, Denny Adia, Corey Kispert, and maybe Johnny Davis this year out of Wisconsin is the one who finally breaks through. But it feels like year after year, I think the Wizards and the Kings are the two teams that feel like this, that they're always drafting high, but they never quite get it right we see teams like the hawks or the bucks or even the hornets with lamello at least they get one guy right time after time but it feels like the wizards are always going back to free agency to get guys just eventually one of these young guys has to break through yeah and also i would i would submit to you that it's because of um going all in on bradley beal that they are not able to chase other pieces that can build truly a playoff team. So I'm out on the wizards. I like what the Hawks have built. I don't feel like I gave them enough credit when I, when I last spoke here, but um, I do think that Atlanta will be back in that hunt. They were maybe a little down last year. I don't think last year went the way we were expecting with Atlanta. I know that you were kind of maybe big on them last year. I think I was too, but it did not go the way that we wanted. And I like the moves that they made. They didn't just stay, status quo and you mentioned uh the wizards and the kings in the same breath and i think the the kings are getting it a little bit right i don't want to spoil too much but i think the kings are getting it a little bit right this year no i i want to i want to cheer for the hawks i'm just a scorned lover with them last year after being bitten in the butt by them and getting so high on them but yeah that core they bring back they're the team if i had to pick a team in the east who okay who's going to get hot and make a run at the bucks or the heat or whomever the elite teams are the hawks are the team that feel like they would get scary if everything is right come playoff time that feels like they can score at will i don't know what they can do on the defensive end but hawks feel like a very dangerous team if they have it right but i'm i'm just so hurt from last year <laughs> Yeah, and I think you're right to feel that way. It's kind of a prove it, prove it scenario for the Hawks with uh, the offseason moves that they've done. It's kind of like Trey Young. We think he's this alpha guy that can lead the Hawks to a deep playoff run, and and this is kind of a prove it type year for me with Trey Young. Yeah. Speaking of prove it years, are the Magic? We have done this several times, and you continue to downplay the magic, and I just refuse to give up hope. I'm a huge Paolo fan. I think he may, I think he's going to be a megastar in this league. And I get the NBA is more than just height, but they have Mo Bamba, who's seven, Paolo's 6'10, Bull Bull is 7'2, Wendell Carter is 6'10. Um, 
Jonathan Isaac is 6'10", and they have Franz and Mo Wagner, 6'10", and 6'11". Plus, I'm a big... I like Jalen Suggs, and I like Paolo. Just someday, the the Magic have to get good eventually, you would think. I don't, I don't know why people don't want to go there. It's Florida. Orlando's a great place. Something about the Magic is just they're never allowed to have nice things, and I, I want to cheer for them. I look at this team and think they have all these great pieces, but they just never seem to put it together. I think a new point guard... A star point guard is kind of what they're missing, but the last couple of drafts have not really, you know, unless Jalen Suggs develops into that point guard, but I think he's better at the two. Something has to happen with the Magic, and I think it is maybe bringing in a superstar point guard, but I just want Orlando to be good. All right. Is this a team that wants to make a trade for Russell Westbrook? Oh, please. Uh, I like Orlando and I like Russ, but I don't like them together. You know, I like peanut butter and I like steak, but I don't want peanut butter on my steak. Yeah. That's a very good way of putting it. And you mentioned all these. I mean, they're a very tall team, right? Wendell Carter, right? Wendell Carter, Wagner. I like those guys, but you're right. It comes down to having a playmaking star guard and the Magic just don't have it. And that's why I I don't necessarily downplay them. I think I put them in their proper context. Until they get a star guard, they're they're probably not really truly in that playoff conversation. Well, I mean, because they're the Magic, they're probably going to be drafting the top five again. So hopefully, there's some the next Damian Lillard waiting in this year's draft. Oh yeah, they're they're definitely well. No, they uh, could go even bigger. Tank for number one and get a uh, Victor Wembanyama. Who's this guy? Uh, seven foot Frenchman who is kind of like a Kevin Durant starter kit. Ooh, sounds right up their alley. Yeah, exactly, exactly up their alley. So. We will uh, we will see, but I think they're a good bet to be back in the top five. And then we go to the Central where there is at least one, if not two teams in this division that I'm falling way more in love with than I should. The Bucks, to me, they're the clear-cut number one team. They have the best player walking planet Earth in Giannis. They bring everybody back. I don't know what we need to say about the Bucks that hasn't been said. Giannis, Drew Holiday, Chris with a K, Middleton. You've got Lopez, Portis, Connaughton. Add Joe Ingles to that. Wes Matthews, Serge Ibaka. All these old guard players. And then Grayson Allen is currently listed as listed as a starter for them. So that's something. Um, I, th- I like the Pistons, but I think they're young. I'm really curious to see what Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey can do together. When we talked about this on the draft, I'm a huge Jaden Ivey fan. You hate him. Uh, Sadiq Bay, I think, is a great like grinder Iron Man, and they have a lot of young pieces. You know, Jalen Durham. Curious to see what he develops into. I like the Pistons. But I just think they're a year or two away. The Pacers are something, but the Cavs and the Bulls. I really want to like both of these teams, especially the Cavs with Donovan Mitchell. So you may have to talk me back from the ledge on both the Cavs and the Bulls. But I think I think you have a clear top, a middle two, and a bottom two. I think you're spot on with the the pecking order in this division. And I just want to clarify and say, I I don't think I've ever said I hate Jaden Ivey. Okay. Uh, I just may not like his game and how it translates to the NBA. I believe my words were he's sort of an an inefficient chucker. And I don't really like some of the shot selection type stuff. I think that's something that you can improve over time. So I'm not, you know, saying – sitting here saying that Jaden Ivey is a, is a big bust. I think it can work with him and Cade. I just don't know about the fit because of some of the stuff I saw on Jaden Ivey in college. So um, the way I watched him play, I, trust me, I watched 
plenty of Purdue basketball, more than any one human being should, I feel like. <laughs> um, and left feeling frustrated with Jaden Ivey a, a few times, thinking this guy's got so much more potential here that he hasn't tapped into. But I think it could work out. It's just they're going to have to coach out some of the bad shot selection type things. It's It's a little bit of a poor man's Westbrook that I see with Jaden Ivey right now. And I think he has the potential for something greater than that, but that might be his ceiling if he doesn't figure out some of the, some of the stuff, but anyway, I digress. Um, I really like Cleveland and what they did. This is a little bit of a, that now they've got a very solid core because at times last year, the only guard who could make plays, the only guy who could really make plays was Garland for them. Now you add Donovan Mitchell and I really question Donovan's commitment to defense because the way that he looked defensively in the playoffs last year was less than stellar. But if somehow they can convince Donovan Mitchell that playing defense is a good thing, I really like this Cavs team and I think Evan Mobley is the go-to star there. He's the go- going to be the number one option going forward, and you can kind of transition Donovan Mitchell into being a second option, and Darius Garland is a great third option to have on your team. And so now you've got a clear top three and some good role players with Jared Allen and others around him. I think I'm buying into the Cavs more, so I won't be – talking you down from the ledge on the Cavaliers. I will on the Bulls, however, because I do think that I'm concerned about the Lonzo Ball injury scenario. We don't know when Lonzo Ball is going to be back. Um, things have kind of been messed up with that with that knee injury that he's got going on. And if you remember, the Bulls looked great when Lonzo was in the lineup and they looked – a little rough around the edges when it was just DeMar and, and Levine and you didn't have to worry about Lonzo at all. So I, it, I do think the bulls are a playoff team still. I think they were the eight seed last year. I see them being right around there this year again. Okay. That's the bulls. I go back and forth on because I'm a huge Io DeSumo guy. As like wax, uh, Zach Levine, very happy to see what happened with DeMar DeRozan. Uh, I'm not sure what they have with the big guys. If Vucevic can still be a difference maker up there and whatever Andre Drummond has left to give you. But if, if Lonzo's healthy, I'm convincing myself that this is a top four or five team in the East. Again, I think it all depends on what happens with your Nets, Sixers and Celtics. But I'm, you're, you're making me feel better about the Cavs, better or worse. I'm not exactly sure. I'm, I'm curious that if Donovan Mitchell would accept being the number two guy, he's only 26 years old. So it's not like he's a, old body who's been around forever. He's got one, two, three, he's supposed to be his sixth year in the NBA. So I just, I don't know that he I think he probably still wants to be the guy, but you have so many other pieces around him. Like you mentioned, Darius Garland, uh, Evan Mobley, Jarrett Allen, uh, Isaac Coro, Kevin Love still hanging around there. I uh, got one of the other Lopez brothers, Rubio, Karis LeVert. Uh, Cavaliers, Eastern conference champion contender. It feels wrong to say, but when I look at this, I'm like, Who's better other than the Bucks? Yeah, I don't quite put them in that stratosphere. I think we are still looking at a a Bucks, Sixers, Celtics 
top three, probably in that order. But I do put Cleveland on that next rung down right there in that four to six range with um, Cleveland, the Nets, maybe Atlanta, Toronto. It's kind of a wash right after that four spot. I, I kind of feel like Cleveland might solidly be that four spot this year. Now they're, I've got them comfortably in the playoff picture. I have some other teams that are on the cusp, but I think they're easily in. Um, the Pacers, just to give them a tip of the hat, like Tyrese Halliburton, like Buddy Heald, uh, like Miles Turner. To me, this team's like a T, te- it feels like a team with a bunch of kernels, but no general. And I feel like the Pacers aren't going to be kind of a so bad that, you know, kind of like watching a car crash. They just feel like a 30 win team that nobody is really going to pay attention to unless I'm underselling these guys. I just, I wonder who's going to be the guy for the Pacers. Do they have the guy on the roster who's going to do for them kind of what Paul George did? I think Ben Matherin could be that guy. He was one of my favorite picks in this draft. So I'm curious to see what he can do, but we expect much out of the Pacers. I don't think they're going to be so bad. They're in the hunt for the number one pick, but I don't see him as a playoff team. Um, I, I don't know really what we've got with the Pacers here. I like Halliburton. I like, uh, Ben Matherin. There's, they have also been involved in the Russell Westbrook trade rumors. I think the rumor that was out there was Westbrook and a 2027 and 2029 unprotected first round pick. (laughs) for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. I like that as a win-now move for the Lakers. I like that as a future move for the Pacers. I don't maybe like how that looks currently for the Pacers, and I do think that would put them in a uh, position where they're tanking for Victor Wimbayama or Scoot Henderson, which is a great name, by the way. We have... The top two picks in next year's draft have, have great names. <laughs> Victor Wenbanyama and Scoot Henderson. Victor Victor and Scoot. It just sounds like uh, the opening to a great novel, right? Or something like that. <laughs> or a, a great TV show. But uh, I do think the Pacers should maybe put themselves in that running because, like you said, they need a general. And maybe that comes by getting Wenbanyama or Scoot Henderson not with the guys that they have now. They have nice players, no doubt, but they don't have uh, the makings of a playoff team at this current juncture. They're they like these teams like the Heat need Jimmy Butler, the Hawks need Trey Young, and they need to go find their version of that guy. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's a little bit directionless, right? Rudderless, where they're kind of floating in that 30 to 40 win range and not, really being bad enough to land one of the top guys and you're not an attractive destination for free agents. So what do you do to build a a championship quality roster? And I think they are at the point where it's time to cash in guys like miles Turner and buddy healed and go for a full on rebuild. And uh, just before we name our Eastern Conference playoff teams, only one first-year coach in the East, not including what's happening with the Celtics, uh, Steve Clifford, whomever that is, coaching for the Hornets, his first season with them. Looks like he's been around the NBA for a long time, but debuting with the Hornets this year, there's three other rookie coaches that are all out in the Western Conference. Steve Clifford's kind of gotten around. I actually think he was with the Hornets previously, 
might have gotten fired and is now back. Do I have that right? Maybe. Uh, let's see what Wikipedia says. Looks like he's been or he's played a lot of games, coached 637 games. Let's lengthy career. Yeah, I believe he was in Orlando for a minute, too. He coached them in their Bobcat days, and then when they came back to be the Hornets, and then was with the Magic, got fired by the Magic, and is coming back. Yes, there it is, right there. So, yeah, um, it didn't work the first time in the Clifford era. I don't expect it to work the second. Another reason to be out on the Hornets on the side note. Now I'm, I'm in a rabbit hole about looking at coaches on Wikipedia. A lot of first year, a lot of coaches hired last year. So it's weird to see how many coaches were hired in 2020 and 2021. And then so few this year. Yeah. Not a lot of turnover. All right. Who are your eight playoff teams? Cause I don't believe in the play in, but if you'd like to pick your, who's ever going to win from the play in games, who are your top eight coming out of the Eastern conference this year? The top eight, Milwaukee, Philly, Boston, lock it in for those three. Um, next tier down, I think it pretty much a near lock here with these teams. And maybe not exactly in this order, but in some order. Probably Cleveland at four. Um, maybe the Nets in a five spot or Toronto. So five, six, pretty interchangeable between the Nets and the Raptors, I think. Bulls at seven. And, well, okay. I'd probably put Miami up there in that four or five spot. Um, Miami, Chicago, I believe I'm at eight with that. Double check me. Raptors, Miami, Chicago, Cleveland, Milwaukee, Philly, Boston. Those are my top eight. And I, other than the Bucks, to me, it's wide open. They're my they're my number one. Um, again, I'm I'm taking the bait on the Cavaliers. Let's put the Cavs at two for me. Heat three, Celtics four, Hawks five. I got the 76ers down at six. I think the Nets get in just because Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. They're at seven, and then I have the Raptors at eight with the Bulls just missing out. I think, I think you really do have nine teams. Like we may not have the exact same, but I think you have nine and then it separates out. Like neither of us are expecting the Knicks, Pistons, Pacers, Hornets, Magic, or Wizards to do anything. Yeah. That's exactly, that's exactly what I was about to say because my team that didn't make the cut that you're a little bit higher on than I am is, is Atlanta. And I definitely view Atlanta as that ninth team. So it's really going to come down to, you know, Atlanta, Chicago. Toronto for me in that seven to nine range. Well, it'll, it'll, it'll be a fun race and maybe somebody will stun us. A Pistons or a magical get hot, but it feels like you already have nine that have separated themselves out from the pack. And we have, yeah, I do. I do think it could be Detroit in that 10 spot. I guess I'll give Detroit a little bit credit. I think that, I think I like what they're building enough to where they could possibly be that 10 spot. I like it. Going out west, we'll start with the somehow northwest of the division, despite how northwest the teams may be. You've got the Nuggets, one of the best players walking the planet, and Nikola Jokic. Don't know how much I love with the rest of what they have, but you got Nikola Jokic. You've got the slowly rebuilding and pick amassing Thunder, and also in that boat, rebuilding and amassing picks, the Utah Jazz. 
You've got Portland, who's kind of in the middle and hopefully healthy. And then the Timberwolves may finally be the real deal to finally be back, at least in playoff contention in the West. But Nuggets, Wolves, Thunders, Blazer, Jazz will be our first crop of five here to look at out West. I do think this is the Nuggets division, even after some of the offseason moves that they've made. How far you think the Nuggets can go really depends on the confidence level that you have in Jamal Murray coming back from injury and Michael Porter Jr. as well. I must admit, I don't have a, a lot of confidence in them, but I do have a lot of confidence in Nikola Jokic. And I think that my pick of picking the Nuggets to win this division is really rooted in, I believe, in Jokic. Um, I like um, the way that the Timberwolves have tried to change things up after last year, but I don't know if I necessarily like the Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns fit. I think that's a little bit strange. I do like Anthony Edwards as an alpha dog, and we saw that in the playoffs last year where he was really, truly the alpha. There's a lot of teams in this division with good, specifically the Timberwolves and the Nuggets, right? They they have good top-end talent, but the depth is a little bit questionable, and that makes both of these teams kind of a, a question mark in my mind. Yeah, this... This whole little division for me is a lot of toss-up questions. I have about five teams that I feel pretty confident in making the Western Conference playoffs, and the rest is a total roll of the dice. The Wolves would be that five team. I think they're the very bottom of the teams I expect to make it. We're we're both big fans of Anthony Edwards. I like Rudy Gilbert. It'll be weird to see him play. Because when you think of the Wolves, don't you think of a team that's just run-and-gun offense? So, yes, they need a defensive player. But it's weird trying to think of how Rudy Gobert fits in with a team that just wants to run and score a bunch of points. And I, the starting five, I think, is really good. D'Angelo Russell's developed into a nice little point guard. Anthony Edwards, Cat, Gobert, those are going to be the big three. But the depth beyond that, Kyle Anderson and Austin Rivers may be your best options. And when you're trying to battle a Warriors team that can platoon you and go too deep or Clippers with a lot of talent, Suns with their core that they have, I don't know that the Wolves are going to battle any of that top tier, but I see them as about the fifth best team in the West just based on starting talent. Yeah, I believe I got on this podcast at one point in the past year and said, um, it might have been actually after the playoffs, after the Wolves run had ended, and I said, a Townsford Gobert trade makes a lot of sense. Well, the Timberwolves said, why not both? And <laughs> and went for it. Um and I don't know if it fits very well because of the way that it gutted the rest of their roster. I mean, I'm not going to go as far as to say is, okay, Minnesota is not going to make the playoffs because they lost Patrick Beverly, but it's a little bit like the PJ Tucker thing in Philly, where I think PJ Tucker going to Philly, is going to be really good for them. Losing Patrick Beverly is going to be a pretty bad thing for Minnesota. We're going to look back on that and say, man, this team needs a guy like a Patrick Beverly to really reach uh, that next level. And they don't have it currently on the roster unless Anthony Edwards is going to step his game up yet again. I mean, then all bets are off. If uh, Anthony Edwards is going to make yet another leap, I don't know how much more of a leap you can make really. 
um, from the way that he performed last year. But if he does, I mean, I guess he needs to make that leap to be that guy more consistently in the playoffs. Maybe that was some of the frustration last year for me was we saw greatness from him at times, but not all the time. And maybe that's the real next step here is for Anthony Edwards to just be great all the time. And the opposite end of being great all the time, can we just accept that the Thunder and Jazz are, they both have some nice players, but they're both rebuilding and are not playoff threats and move on? I think we can 100% believe that. Those two teams are actively tanking yet again. Uh, Well, in the case of OKC, yet again. And uh, they might kind of luck into this really nice, uh, nice core because of the Czech Holmgren injury. I actually like the picks that the Thunder made in this year's draft, but Chet Holmgren got injured and is done for the year. We'll we'll see what OKC can build, but they might have a nice core with Chet, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, and then depends on if they get top two or not, but Victor or Scoot, a lot of these teams are tanking for that. I think uh, Utah, that might be the worst roster in the NBA right now. I think Utah might be far and away the worst roster in the NBA right now. Which is Danny Ainge's goal. 100%. He is absolutely tanking, trying to get everything he can to uh, get the rebuild started. And so I think the Wolves are in, and then the Nuggets and Blazers, I think, are in similar situations. Top-end star, Liller and Jokic. Injured pieces coming back. Nurkic for the Blazers, and then you mentioned Murray and Porter for the Nuggets. I don't really love the depth for either team. I think the Blazers can go a little bit further into their secondary players, but Lillard has to be healthy and he's going to throw this team on his back. At best, I think they're about the sixth team in the West. And I think the Nuggets will be kind of in that play, play in category, but just not enough depth, depth in the top end talent for either of these teams and, or not enough depth behind the top end talent. So I think both of them are going to be in the bottom half of the West if they're sniffing the playoffs. My apologies. I, somehow got a little closed out of the, the app in the middle of this podcast. So we'll, we'll, we'll forgive you. We were talking about, should we trust the Blazers or Nuggets to make the postseason? I will trust the Nuggets a little bit more. Again, depends on some factors with guys who are injured, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. But when you've got the MVP, Jokic, I'll go ahead and ride with them. <laughs> And we move to, we'll, we'll save the big boys for the end here. Uh, move to the Southwest with, you've got Dallas, you've got Luca, who I will admit doubted for a long time. I think he's worked his way into that top five conversation for me. Probably the best conversation for best guard in the NBA. I think, I think this is weirdly to say this is Memphis's division. If we played basketball that way, I think you have Memphis on top. Dallas and the Pelicans in the middle. I think the Spurs are abhorrent. I think they're the worst team in the NBA. You think the Jazz are. I think the Spurs are absolutely terrible, which is weird to think with Popovich, but I look at that roster and I don't know who excites me now that they got rid of Deontay Murray. Pelicans are going to live and die by Zion's health. I think the Grizzlies, you have that nice core. They've developed and worked together. The Rockets, I think, are in that similar situation with the Pacers, Jazz, uh, Thunder, rebuilding, getting nice young pieces. And then the Mavs, kind of a similar situation to the Pelicans. They're going to go as far as Luka can throw them on his back and take them. Yeah, I I do think you're right to count out San Antonio. Um, 
love the Mavs. I really think this is a Mavs Grizzlies, but probably lean slightly Grizzlies. And I'm a little bit excited about Houston as well. I do kind of like the uh, potential, the long-term potential of a uh, Jalen Green, Jabari Smith. I do think that Jalen Green could kind of become that alpha for that team. And we might see that kind of take off this year. New Orleans, all dependent upon the health of Zion, kind of like you mentioned. But we saw them even go toe-to-toe a little bit with Phoenix without Zion. And I really like what they've got with McCollum and Ingram. But then you add a healthy Zion to that mix. I think this is a a pretty quality team and a team that I'm looking, they had to get in through the play in last year. I don't think they have to get in through the play in this year. Is there, I'm just with the, getting back to your Mavs point, I'm trying to think no Jalen Brunson, but you have Spencer Dinwiddie. I'm just not sure beyond Luca and Dinwiddie. Is there a lot to get you excited or you just that much faith in Luca? I think it's just a lot of faith in Luca and maybe a little bit of the, uh, you're right. I mean, the Brunson thing is kind of a big deal um, for them as well, but I do like the acquisition of Christian Wood. I do think that maybe evens out the team a little bit more. Um, I don't think the Porzingis Donkage combo worked very well and that's why it doesn't exist anymore, but I do think Donkic and uh, Christian Wood together is going to work out a little bit better than the uh, Donkic-Porzingis combo. I really like that combo a little bit better. I'm not saying Christian Wood is some star that's going to take Dallas to the next level, but I also think that uh, it balances that maybe Dallas's team out a little bit better than some of the recent Dallas teams. And yeah, ultimately, I think it's more of just uh, my faith in and guys named Luca who play basketball. Hmm. Is there more than one? Yeah, we've got Luca Garza too on the, on oh. the aforementioned Timberwolves. Got so. about him. Yeah, and uh, I, I can't forget about Luca. But I, uh, can... <laughs> I kind of agree with you on the Rockets. It it feels like all the pieces are there. Is just learning how to play together. It feels like they're a couple years away. Other than the old man Eric Gordon, who's been around for fourteen seasons. I think it's Mo Harkless is there. So some good veterans. But just all these young guys, the the Jalen Green's been the big star, but I think Jabari Smith will eventually supersede him as the guy. But Deshaun Nix, Jabari Smith, Jayshon Tate, Ty Ty Washington, just all these 19 to 21-year, uh, I guess Jayshon Tate's a little bit older, but you know these 19 to 21-year-olds running around there, Kenyon Martin Jr., got all these young guys that are just figuring out how to play basketball together. It's, you know, it's kind of like yeah. Christmas morning. You have all these new toys. You're just not quite sure how to play with them yet. Yeah, well, and I mean, they do have like Eric Gordon, like you mentioned, and Maurice Harkless and and Derek Favors. While those guys don't offer a whole lot from a basketball perspective, I think their value is going to be more of some of that intangible off the court type stuff. Like you need a, you can't just have all young guys. You need a couple adults around the team just to kind of keep the young guys in check a little bit. And I think you might have that with those guys that I just mentioned and, and Boban too, right? Everybody oh, loves, Boban. Bo, everybody loves Boban. Uh, he's a guy that people look up to regardless of uh, 
Yeah, regardless of the way he plays on the court. And, and don't forget about Shangun. I mean, he showed some good things. Kevin Porter Jr. can put the ball in the basket. I do think I'm not going to go out on a crazy limb and say, oh, these guys are making the playoffs. They're very good. They're 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 going to make the play in and all of that. No, I think this team is still out of the playoffs this year. I do think we'll see the flashes of potential. And I, I really think Jalen Green is that alpha. I know you're higher on Jabari maybe than I am. I like Jabari, but I see him more as a number two guy overall. And getting back to the uh, Grizzlies, I think I talked about this last year. To me, it kind of feels just like a bunch of kind of like a frat house feel, just a bunch of guys who enjoy spending time together. They seem to have such a good chemistry between them. With John Morant leading the way, Desmond Bain was a revelation. Uh, Dylan Brooks doing his part. Brandon Clark, Jaron Jackson Jr. I think is he injured right now? Hopefully he comes back soon. And then the, the gritty old man, Stephen Adams, still around there looking terrifying. I hesitate to think the Grizzlies are truly contenders, but I feel like they're just on the cusp of being in that conversation. I I really think that the Grizzlies are a good regular season team, but not true contenders. I think there's a move here to be made just because of the guys you mentioned in the depth, they have the star and John Morant that they need, but they have a lot of depth. I think there's maybe a two for one or a three for one type deal. And I'm not sure who that guy is that they can go in and get. That's going to take them to that next level. I thought maybe, Memphis would make a serious play for Donovan Mitchell and try to get John Moran and Donovan Mitchell paired up together. But that didn't materialize. I think John needs kind of a running mate who's okay with being number two. And I'm not sure who that guy is. Um, but I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is kind of a third option masquerading as a two right now. And they kind of need that legit second option. And so we arrive at the division you're going to hear the most about this season, the Pacific, Golden State, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Suns, and you won't hear much about the Kings, but they are here. Your LA teams. Oh, I beg to differ. I uh, beg to differ. Andrew will we'll tell you all that. about the Kings, but you've got the the defending champion, the best team in the world, and the Warriors. The Clippers, who I'm really high on as much as I hate to admit it, they bring back a lot of bodies. And if they are truly healthy and Kawhi wants to play, they're going to be there. Uh, we'll let Andrew give a dissertation on the Lakers. The Suns, they have the core, they have the on-court, but what is the off-court, kind of like the Celtics? How much is the non-basketball part of that team going to impact it? And are the Kings, Andrews, I believe, hinting that the Kings are finally going to get it done and finally be a playoff team. But there it is, the Pacific Five. Yeah, and I, I'm more than hinting. I, I'm going to flat out say it on this podcast. Um, the Sun, the not the Suns, wow, the Kings. There was my moment. I screwed it all up. Ah. It's like the Kings have been doing for the past 20 years. But <laughs> the, the longest drought in professional sports is about to, about to end. The longest playoff drought in professional sports is about to end this year. And uh, the Sacramento Kings will make the playoffs. Now, granted, it might be in the form of being a nine seed or a 10 seed, but it counts. We're counting it. Mm. I know you'll, I know you'll fight it, but I'm counting it. Um, so get the Sacramento Kings in the playoffs and fire it up. Now 
That being said, Golden State, far and away, best team of this division. They're going to win this division. From there, though, I do think it's a legitimate crapshoot. You mentioned some of this stuff with the Suns off the court. I think the Aiden thing is kind of weird. Are we maybe witnessing like the downfall? I mean, Chris Paul is another year older. Jay Crowder wants out. I mean, there's kind of some weird stuff going on with the Suns that makes me not like them as much as I did last season. So I'll go ahead and uh, get off the Suns. And then the Clippers, I know you're big on them, but the Kawhi injury history, the Paul George injury history, too much unknown there. And I also don't like the unknown of the Lakers a whole lot. I could give you, yes, a whole dissertation on the Lakers, but beyond LeBron and AD, I don't really like the rest of the Lakers roster that much. Um, I don't think they have the depth necessary to sustain and, I really think the Clippers and the Lakers are going to be battling out for a playoff spot as well. Right there with Sacramento. Um, so I think it's, it's kind of warriors far and away the best team. And then really a crapshoot after that in my mind. Uh, also the Seattle Mariners would like to talk to you about ending their playoff drought. They were at 21 years until this year when they broke their streak. So maybe it's, it's going around this year. Well, yeah, that's it. it that's why I'm saying it's now, I guess I right. should have clarified it's now the longest drought because the Mariners broke theirs, but the, so. but it could be the trend of this year. Also, here's a, here's a fun trivia question for you. Can you name, there are now that the Mariners broke theirs and you're projecting the Kings to win theirs. Can you name any of the three other teams in big four American sports that have 10 plus year playoff droughts? And plus year playoff droughts. One of them is very surprising to me. I would never have guessed. It's it's from three different sports, if that makes it easy. And none of them are basketball. None of them are basketball. So we're looking. Okay. So the, oh, the, the Kings had the longest. The next longest drought is the Hornets at six years from the NBA. Oh, boy. Wow. Okay. Um, Chicago Bears? Incorrect. Where are they on the list? No, this this only ranks the top ten, and they're not in the top ten. So every everybody on this list has had six or more seasons without postseason. Okay, got it. Um, if if Fox Sports is to be believed, oh okay, yeah, I don't I don't know if they are to be believed. Um, <laughs> why does it feel like the Texas Rangers haven't been in the playoffs in a while? They last made, they were also in that six season club. They met last made it in 2016, but they're the Rangers. So they're irrelevant. There is again, the, the baseball is the one that I think is going to surprise you. Uh, the football one is not surprising. The football, the football is not surprising. Baseball is surprising. And then the hockey team, you'd really have to know your hockey teams. Oh, is the football one the Washington team, the Washington football team? It is not. Wrong conference. Oh, wow. <laughs> What am I missing here? Oh, Jacksonville. Oh, no, you got to remember they made it like three years ago. Blake Bordelais almost took him to the uh, Super Bowl. I forgot. I forgot about the greatness of, that is Blake Bortles. <laughs> Goodness. You might have to tell me or we could be here all night. Your, so if, if the Kings were to make it, the New York Jets 
would inherit the longest playoff drought. They last made it in 2010 with Mark Sanchez and Rex Ryan as coach. The Buffalo Sabres would be tied with them from the NHL, despite constantly having top 10 draft picks. And then the one that most surprised me, the Philadelphia Phillies have not made the postseason since 2011. And didn't they just end theirs, or does it continue? Did they just they botch ju- it? Uh, did they? Is Fox Sports behind? I forget that baseball's over. We're just starting wild card season. I believe the Phillies. Oh, are the Phillies it. in? Hey, hey, the Phillies are in. You are correct. So who who's going to inherit the? Uh, oh, the Detroit Tigers, Los Angeles Angels are going to move up the list. So maybe maybe right. that is what's going around. If if two of the top five in the Mariners and the Phillies broke theirs, that's a sign that the Kings can do it too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I kind of like some of the moves that Sacramento made. I mean, beyond the obvious, you know, I'm an Iowa fan. I'm going to say getting Keegan Murray was a great move. And while Keegan Murray has looked pretty good so far, I really like the addition of like a Kevin Herter, a Malik Monk. I think it kind of gives the Kings some scoring punch that they kind of desperately needed beyond Fox and Sabonis and Davion Mitchell flash at points. You need to see it more consistently from Mitchell this year. I do think Davion Mitchell will flash a little bit more consistently. I'm not saying that Davion is Anthony Edwards, but I think, you know, we saw an Edwards rookie season where he was up and down and all over the place, but I think he was a little bit more consistent last year. I think you're going to kind of experience that nice second year leap with Davion Mitchell coming off the bench as sort of that six man type of rule. And that's what I think you combine that with the addition of Keegan Murray to a solid lineup of Fox, Sabonis, Harrison Barnes. You really kind of got something going there. Like you have legitimate NBA players on the roster now where you haven't had that maybe before. I feel like we always say this about the Kings. They always draft these nice pieces and we think they have stars and then they just never work out there and they go other places. But I think, but it's, it's all those pieces are there. If, you know, De'Aaron Fox, we think is the real deal. He and Sabonis, if they work together, Keegan Murray is a nice guy who can fill it up and Herter and Barnes to be good role players. It's just, just, it feels quintessential Kings though, to just have all this and never make it work. How about Mike Brown coming over from Golden State? I mean, Mike Brown has been an NBA head coach before, but he went and kind of repaired his image and learned, you know, you hope learned some things from Steve Kerr being a part of a championship organization. And I'm not saying he's going to turn the Kings into championship contenders. I don't think that's realistic at all, but you do think kind of think that maybe Mike Brown can bring like this winning mentality with him to the Sacramento organization where they haven't had that before. So that's that's kind of the thing for me is I think Mike Brown might be a really good hire for this team. And and if the Kings are the real deal, I think all five of these teams could be in, like you mentioned, Warriors clear in a way the, the best. The Clippers, it, it all depends on health, but all those guys are back there. Reggie Jackson, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Morris, Davika Zubak, they added Robert Covington, Nicholas Batum, Dwight Powell, uh, Terrence Mann, Luke Kennard, all these guys they've had around there and they've added some good role players. And let us not forget, they have John Wall now. Oh, boy. 
Oh, oh boy. I mean, I don't know how great that really is. So we, we've gone through every division now. Let me, let me run down my top eight real quick here. Okay. I think it's, I think it's golden state one. I think it's Memphis two. Dallas three. Oh, Dallas three, New Orleans. Wow. Four. Denver five, Minnesota six. Oh, this is where we get down to the nitty gritty. Phoenix seven. I'll give Phoenix some credit. Seven. I'm going to throw Sacramento in at number eight. Oh, we are much more different on the West than we are in the East. Yeah. I, I, I kind of figured that this might happen, but. That is where I sit. So uh, we do agree Warriors one. So I got that. I have the Clippers two, Suns three, Grizzlies at four, T-Wolves five. And this is where it gets a little dicey for me. The the kind of six through ten. Six through ten I don't have a great ranking on. But let's go Blazers, Kings, Mavs. And then if I had to pick a play-in game, it would be the Lakers and the Nuggets. I just, I just, I, I think the Lakers are going to make some kind of big move. You have LeBron, you have a chance. I would not be opposed to getting rid of AD if anybody would want to take him on. But the Lakers need so much. But as long as you have LeBron, you have a shot. I, I just can't trust the Pelicans till I know what we have with Zion. All right. Well, I, I think that's fair. I think. You know, you've got Cleveland and Atlanta that you're bigger on in the East, and then and New Orleans is kind of my team that people can't talk me off the ledge from. So uh, you heard it here first, folks. Go ahead and bet those uh, over on win totals for the Pelicans and the Kings this season. Hey, you, you got me convinced the Kings are at least going to make the playoffs. No, granted, they may get in as the 7 or 8 and get obliterated in four games, but all you got to do is make it. Hey, the, the over under on Kings wins right now is 33 and a half and I'm saying oh, eight seed. So I'm telling you over and that seems pretty low. 33 and a half seems pretty low for that, Sacramento. That seems like a good number to get. Yeah. With, with uh, the Thunder, the Spurs, Utah, you know, all the other teams that we've talked about that are clearly obviously tanking in the NBA this season because of, uh, the good draft picks that are coming. I think that's a good number for the Kings because the Kings are trying to win now. Would you like to give us an NBA finals prediction? Milwaukee, Sacramento. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I'm not kidding about the Milwaukee piece. I will, I will go ahead and take Milwaukee. I'm assuming full health of Chris Middleton. I, I don't want to be a chalk pick for the West. So I am going to take, I am going to take a, a, a stab in the dark here. And I'm going to say that the Memphis Grizzlies breakthrough. Oh, um, I know I just talked about how they don't have a legit two. Maybe they make that deal this season. And I don't know what kind of a deal they can make, but Maybe Jaw just goes to another level or Bane goes to another level and he becomes their legit two guy. And that's enough to push him over the top. So 
I will go ahead and take Memphis to break through. So we've got a Milwaukee-Memphis NBA Finals. And I will partially agree with you. I have two teams that, while they've been represented in seven of the last eight finals, have never met each other in the finals. It may be basic chalk, but I have the Bucks defeating the Warriors in seven. I love that. I would love that with every fiber of my being. I think that would be a great NBA finals. I just didn't want to be the one to pick it. So That's I'm glad cool. you did it. <laughs> uh, do you, you know, standard NBA talk, do you want to name your top five players or do you, is that, does that need more research? Top five currently, Giannis and Luca. Top two. Top two, no doubt. Um, and then I think you got to throw in the big guys, Jokic and Bede. So there's your four. And I can't not throw LeBron in my top five. Um, I know he's maybe getting a little bit older, not what he once was, but it's really hard not to put LeBron in the top five, which is some of the things that he still does at this point in time. So, But you have no problem. You have no problem leaving out the defending two-time MVP. I, I put Jokic in there, right? Oh, did no? You had you had Giannis, Embiid. Did I? Luca, Jokic. Yeah, okay, there. Luca, Jokic, and LeBron. Yeah, okay. those are my five. We're we're very s- close to similar. So, other than Giannis being one, I can be persuaded on the rest of them. But Giannis is my lock at number one. I've got Jokic in there. So for me, it's LeBron, Durant, Steph, and Jokic in my top five with Luka sitting there at number six. I can maybe go Embiid at seven. But Luka's just floating with that conversation. And I know Durant and LeBron may be old and over the hill, but I think they're still performing at a high level. A year from now, one or both of them may be tailing off enough, but I can't supplant them yet. I think that's a a fair top five. I mean... It's it's really just a matter of personal preference at a certain point. I think the good there's a good seven to eight in the league, and we we covered them all with our top five. I was trying to look something up while you were talking. Steph is thirty four. So Steph is thirty four. Durant is thirty four. Okay, LeBron's thirty seven. I was going to say which one do you think will have the longest career, but LeBron's. Just- still three years older than the other two. And Steph is just a few months older than KD. Would it be weird if I said LeBron? No. Um, <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of excited for this next chapter of LeBron's career. I know that's a whole other topic that we could probably do a whole podcast on, but this next phase of LeBron's career is going to be a, a little bit interesting, and I think that kind of starts this year. Anything else, NBA, before we do a couple of quick hitters to get out of here? Let's go on and then do the the quick hits. All right. As we know, you are a baseball savant, so I need to get your picks on these. uh, It's this new style of playoff baseball. There's no more one-game playoffs. So we're going to have best of three series in the wild card round. All games are played at the home of the higher seed, however. So you've got... we'll, We'll get your picks here. we got Tampa Bay versus Cleveland. Cleveland. And they would win to go on and play the Yankees, Mariners, and Blue Jays. 
Seattle. Ooh. I'll ride with the, the feel-good story. The Cardinals versus the playoff drought-ending Philadelphia Phillies. I'm a Cubs fan. I will be on the <laughs> Phillies. Um, so Philadelphia. And then send to the big show. San Diego versus the Mets. A lot of bad juju with the Mets, but I'll still take the Mets here. If you get all these right, you'll secretly be a baseball expert and not even know it. Yeah, it, uh, it will be a secret. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> all right. And then we have NFL, college football, anything else going on in the football world? Caught Colts your eye Broncos. this week. The Colts Broncos are playing tonight on Thursday and, night. And um, nobody will watch it because it's on Amazon Prime. I will watch it uh, because I may or may not be on the under of 42 and a half points at the time of this recording. Your boys are going to be killing the Giants in England on Sunday morning. I am glad that that is the game in London. Hey, how about the game in London last week, though? I mean, I I thought that was actually a pretty entertaining game. We had the uh, double doink that ended the game for the Saints. I mean, they tried to kick a 61-yard field goal, and it hit the post a couple times and almost went in. And Very... uh, interesting game and apparently they love kicking in England because of uh, their love for soccer they love the kicking game so maybe I should go live in England because I love kickers and punters too I don't watch this welcome to Wrexham show but I feel like if that's going to become popular there needs to be some tie-in that they need to host the next NFL game in London that would be that would be good yeah I I think that would be very good uh, looking at the rest of the schedule, uh, early games, nothing really exciting. Bad teams playing bad teams or good versus bad. Uh, later in the day, you've got Cowboys, Rams, uh, Eagles, Cardinals, and then Bengals, Ravens. So kind of a, not the greatest NFL weekend later in the afternoon and evening. You may have some games worth yeah. checking out. Yeah. And, um, uh... Maybe I'm not so excited about the NFL this weekend, really, surprisingly. I think I'm more excited about what's going on in Lawrence, Kansas this weekend. Game day? Game day. But two ranked teams, TCU Horned Frogs go to Lawrence. The Kansas Jayhawks. I have sprinkled a little bit of money on Kansas nearly every week to win. Um, and I'm doing it again until the train runs out. So I mean, give me the Kansas Jayhawks moving to six and zero this weekend. It's Kansas is a double edged sword for me. I think it's fun that they were awful for 15 years. And the fact that they're getting to have the success, I don't like that. It came at the expense of Iowa state and I hate Kansas basketball as much as I hate any sport, but Kansas football is a whole different beast. And it's kind of fun. TCU might be the real deal with the hurt they put on Oklahoma. This could, I know everybody's loving this feel good story and they're ranked and they're getting game day, but TCU, if they play like they did last week, they may have Kansas in a big hole early. They might. Um, and the luck might run out, right? Or maybe Kansas keeps going. And that is what I'm rooting for. I think that's what America is rooting for. Is Oklahoma maybe just bad? Is that a question that we need to ask? Is Oklahoma maybe just bad this year? I I think, we, I think I think it's possible. 
Yeah, we talked about this on the other episode, but it's I think it's it's that transition. This is why I wasn't high on both them and USC. First year college coaches always scare me a little bit. New coach, new system, the guys who suck around, how much do they want to be there? Maybe they gave the new coach a chance and they're not connecting. It's Oklahoma, so they're going to have talent. But I think you have that year or two of transition going from Lincoln Riley to Brent Venables. How many guys left with Lincoln Riley that are hurting them? Mm-hmm. Oklahoma, I think, is still going to be like a nine and three team, but I think it says more about TCU than it does Oklahoma. That TCU is something has awoken in that team. Maybe they were just mentally checked out of Gary Patterson and they needed a new voice. Maybe, maybe that's it. Yeah. But either way, how about some points in that game? I think, I think we'll see points. So. That'll be that'll be a fun game to watch on Saturday. Ooh, Iowa, Illinois, the over under is 36 and a half, which is never a good sign for a college game. But I think you guys could do very well hitting the under. I I think I think slam the over in that game. It's gone a little too far with Iowa. So go ahead and uh, (laughs) go ahead and grab the over Hawks victory on Saturday night. Grab the over. But Illinois is not scoring a lot. Their highest scoring game is 38 points, and that was against Wyoming. 20 against Indiana, 24-31-34. Eh. Let's go. We're going to get some Iowa defensive touchdowns. G- grab that over. Let's let's do this thing. Ooh. So, D. I'm trying to look for some lines here. Washington State and USC is 65 and a half. Oregon Arizona is at 70. That's all? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um Oh, one other good Pac-12 game. Utah UCLA. That yeah. might be a good game. That might be a good game this weekend. So I uh, one last tidbit on college football before I let you go. I did this last week. I haven't talked about this on the past on the podcast, but last week I tried it. It didn't work out. But this week I, I'm trying it yet again. I have put together the basketball schools winning football games, college football parlay. So give me – Kansas, Kentucky, UCLA, UConn, um, <laughs> North Carolina, Duke, Virginia, and Maryland all to win this weekend. Last week I had Houston in there and Indiana against Nebraska. I'm not taking Indiana against Michigan, but I'm going to rock this every weekend and see if <laughs> I can get it to hit where I – pick these traditionally good basketball schools to win football games and uh, see if I can get them all to hit at the same time. Just don't bet it when Duke plays UNC. Oh, no, uh, that, yeah, exactly. Uh, but I, I think it's kind of funny how some of these basketball schools have gotten good at football this year. How would you, how would you bet that on the other end? for betting college basketball games because Alabama is now good at both. Ohio State's kind of meh. I feel like you, well, Clemson, Clemson and Georgia basketball aren't good. I'm trying to think who you would bet the good at basketball, bad at, or, yeah. Yeah, the good at football, but bad at basketball. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be like Notre Dame. Um, Notre Dame would be in that conversation. Uh, maybe the Ohio state, maybe USC. I don't know. You kind of have some of these schools that are kind of both right. Where Alabama has kind of gotten good at basketball now. Yeah. Yeah. This was easier when Alabama sucked at basketball, but yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let me think about that and get back to you. Do we want to say that Kansas state is good at football? 
because no. then we could go with Kansas State basketball. No, this this is like Georgia, Clemson. Uh, I'm trying to think who else would be in there. Georgia, Penn Clemson State. is a pretty good start. Georgia, Clemson, Maybe. Penn State. Penn State, yep, there you go. Um, LSU? LSU, yeah, was the other one firmly on my mind. So we're really looking uh, – SEC kind of with this. <laughs> Maybe. SEC teams that are not Kentucky. Right. Exactly. SEC teams that are not Kentucky. So, yeah. But a very interesting concept that I probably will employ during the college basketball season way more than I should. <laughs> All right. Well, we hit on a lot of stuff. And we've got you geared up for the NBA season. Do you know when NBA tips off off the top of your head? Why does October 18th sound right to me? October 18th is the day that That's I was funny. about to tell you. So I don't know is. why I know that. I don't know where I heard that. but I feel like I might have told you that October 18th is the day at some point. I, I don't know. I will give you credit. Okay. I'll take. I'll happily take the credit. Awesome. But yeah, October 18th, a Tuesday night, I believe. Nice. Yep. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us on a a fun double episode week. Thank you all for joining us. 